Good afternoon, I'm Greg Bettinelli. Uh, this is Mark Susser's badge. People say I look just like him, and now I can actually be him. Uh, thank you for staying. We're gonna shift a little bit from media and new media to sports and new sports. Um, first, do a little before entering this great panel, introducing a great panel. Has anyone ever played eSports before? Any show of hands? Couple. Has anyone... Uh, How about your kids? Yeah. Uh, has anyone ever watched eSports on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook? Same people, a little bit more, great. And has anyone actually seen an eSports match in person? Uh, cool. So to give a little perspective, I think we will be in a minority relative to what we're talking about, but a little, a little data point first and then I'll kind of kick off some questions. Um, so why are we talking about eSports? There's a, LA has been a theme yesterday and today and will be tomorrow as well. In North America, Los Angeles is the epicenter of eSports. As a little context, um, League of Legends, which is owned by a company called Riot Games, which is part of uh, Tencent. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tencent acquired most of Riot Games for about $400 million about five years ago. Reportedly, last December, they paid 20x that, so close to a $10 billion valuation for the rest of the company. Um, it's one of the most successful game platforms ever created, especially around eSports. They host each year uh, League of Legends Worlds, which is the global tournament. And in October, right, it was at Staples Center across the street. Little context on data. 20,000 people filled Staples Center, sold out, the, I think it sold out in minutes from when they on sale. Um, six hour match, five games, each game lasting a little over an hour. 43 million unique viewers watched it in comparison. Game seven, Cavs Warriors, 30 million. So almost 40% more people. Um, at one point, 15 million people were actually watching. Um, I think it's 370 million hours across those platforms. We're talking about a global audience. Um, and a lot of, as we talk about in the topic, is it hype or is it real? Um, and candidly, if we're talking about it, maybe it's too late for all of us. But I thought we have a great group together. Um, I'll start with Clinton, uh, for those of you who don't know, is uh, a partner at, at LA-based um, CrossCut Ventures, also the chairman of Immortals. Um, anyone here own a piece of an eSports team? You probably do, directly or indirectly. I do, so just for the records, I own a very small piece, very, very small piece of Immortals. Uh, but what is eSports, Clinton? And how do we make it relevant to this audience, and why should we be talking about it? So eSports is, some people think that it's the next evolution in gaming, or the next evolution in, in social media. I, I think that's wrong. I think eSports is the next evolution in traditional sports. And it could eventually supplant traditional sports in terms of audience, in terms of engagement. So think of it as people watching other people play games through various media. That's what it is. 200 million people do it almost on a daily basis. Globally, right? Globally. And are some markets bigger than others? China is really big. Korea is a leader. Um, Asia is obviously huge. Europe is also um, a leader. And North America, though, I think has some of the biggest potential right now. Okay. And Stephen, you used to do this for a living, right? And now, Stephen, can I call you Snoop? Does that work? Uh, Snoop will work. Snoop. Uh, so, yeah, I, when I was growing up as a kid, a small town in Scotland, um, I never imagined that I would end up playing video games for a living and traveling all over the world. I ended up living in four continents and playing video games professionally for four years. Uh, now I work at Facebook, which is a little bit different, but 
Esports, um, if you're not familiar with it, is at its grassroots just competitive video games. And to, to many of you, that will seem extremely foreign. Uh, but for your kids that are growing up today and all they're doing is playing Minecraft or watching videos on YouTube of how to play their favorite level on Minecraft, for them, it's the next norm. Um, and I think that's what the kind of missed opportunity is right now. And you played professionally for how long? Four and a half years. And just context, how, long, how much do you play every day when you're a pro and how long can you really be a pro? Yeah, I think that's one of the crazy things. You look at maybe an NBA player could last for 10 years. In gaming, in professional gaming at least, it's three to four years is your shelf life. And then you need to think about, what am I doing next? Um, so for context, I dropped out of university to go play video games. And uh, then three and a half, four years later, I was like, what's my next move? I'm not quite sure yet. I was one of the fortunate guys, but you're like, what, what's my next step? Facebook uh, doesn't have a pipeline from professional players to no. senior No, nor does academia either. They're not like, oh, you played video games? We want to bring you back into Harvard. Um, and it didn't you, work like that. Do you crush when you guys have tournaments at Facebook headquarters and you just dominate everyone else? There? I'm not allowed to play in those, those tournaments. Oh, uh, really? You're like that guy? Yeah. But yeah. to your question, Greg, you're asking uh, how, how long do these guys play um, every day? You're talking, this is a global sport, right? There's, in the game of League of Legends, there's over 100 million people playing this game worldwide. How do you be the top 10 players in the world? Top 10. Or top 100 so you right. can compete at the professional level. At that time, you're playing 14 hours a day, six, seven days a week, just to keep the edge against these other guys that are coming in. And that's why when I'm 23, 24, I, was, I have to retire. Because the next 16-year-old kid's coming in, and he's, he's got the time to play like, way more than I did. He's got the reactions way quicker than I did. And what do those kids make? If you're a top 100 League of Legends player, what are you making from a cash perspective? The top player right now is making a couple million dollars a year. Okay. So uh, there's a 20x delta between LeBron James for the Cavs and for the top players. Yeah, definitely. But I would say that Delta's shifting because when I started playing, which was 2010, 2011, um, I was making $30,000 a year. I dropped out of college, actually, to not make any money. I just loved the fact that I was getting to travel the world. And now these guys, on average, are making anywhere between 200, 300 k a year. It's like your Facebook expense budget now, right? About that. Yeah. So, so Colin, for those of you who know, Colin lives in LA, works for a company called Twitch. Um, for those of you who might know, two years ago you found out about this company called Twitch because they sold to Amazon for a billion dollars. What would Amazon pay for Twitch now? I can't answer that, but probably a lot more. Okay, yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about Twitch's perspective. You're, you were on it early. Um, you've seen it across multiple platforms. When you look at esports and gaming in general from a global perspective, thinking about it from an investment perspective, how do you look at the opportunity on a go-forward basis? Uh, yeah, from I guess for this audience, from an investment standpoint, um, I think there's a, a shift happening right now where um, there's a lot of money coming in, a lot of dumb money that doesn't know what it's doing, but <laughs> that actually is helpful because the thing that this ecosystem really needs uh, is to become legitimized and money and sponsorships and hopefully Matt and Coca-Cola can help with that, um, help more dollars flow in, which the leagues need, the teams need, the players need uh, to sustain uh, the businesses that they want to be in to make this um, a long-lasting career and for the things that need to happen so that esports um, can sort of have stability. Uh, if you look at like the last four years in esports, especially in North America, uh, it's been a challenging place and you see the term Wild Wild West thrown out and uh, I've certainly seen that because um, 
one of the companies we bought actually had two teams attached to it. Uh, so we got to see life as team owners, um, dealing with players and contracts and sort of seeing the ins and outs that I know Clinton uh, and Steven are, are really familiar with. Uh, players just leaving and going to another team and contracts being effectively unenforceable. So it's been a little bit crazy, but I think um, as the media dollars start flowing in, as things that you know we do at Twitch and things that other platforms do to sort of heighten the awareness, the dollars are going to flow in and uh, eventually um, things will become legitimized with the money. I just think um, to be controversial, it's going to happen a little bit slower. The, from an investment standpoint, um, people who can afford to make these long-term bets um, and stick it out are in a good position. Those, and I, I uh, advise for two funds, um, and I get approached every day saying, where should I put my money? And my first question is, like, what type of return are you looking for and how soon? Uh, and anyone who's on the short end of that, I just say, keep your money and put it elsewhere right now because um, this is really a long-haul game, but everyone sees this as being the next FIFA or, or NFL, and they don't want to miss it, and those are the people that uh, can afford to be around seven, ten years when this thing really does achieve um, sort of the prowess that we all want to see it. Just to give, what is the reach and the audience of Twitch today? So you're talking about dumb money chasing what I think is a huge audience. So what's the disconnect between the two? Wait, I don't Me get the question. Meaning, how, how big an audience are we talking about that Twitch reaches as an example? I think right now we report 10 million DAU, you know, it's been over 100 million uh, monthly actives, um, and the average person watches for almost two hours per day. And, and when you think, this, what's the silly money that's coming in? Are you talking like the team ownership side, or are you talking the sponsorship side? And Matt is obviously the smartest of any dumb money you're talking about. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, it's been the, ever since we were acquired, and, you know, there was activity before us too, so I don't want to, you know, say it was just us, but... It's been, a, it's been an area of interest and a lot of intrigue in terms of there's something to be made here. People don't want to miss the boat by not having their esports investment. Um, you know, and from the type of celebrity investments and you know, team owners, stuff like that, there's legitimate reasons why these people should be investing. And so I'm not categorically saying everything that's been in is dumb money. I'm just saying there's a lot of money right. trying to get in this space um, from traditional you know, venture side. Um, to all across the board. I've heard and kind of seen it all at this point. Um, the audience is there. I'm just saying the returns are going to be long-standing. Or, you know, it's going to be a long play for sure. And Matt, when you think, when I think of Coca-Cola, one of the most iconic global brands that exists, when you look at esports in that category, both from a North American and a global perspective, how are you looking at it as part of your strategy, both investment as well as sponsorship and partnership and what you do with social media. How does it all work into the brand itself? I'll start at the end of that first because, I mean, I think gaming and social media today are inextricably linked. Um, they're almost one and the same. They probably are one and the same. I mean, Twitch is a social media platform as much as it streams live content and, and, um, and, and I don't know what percentage of, you, of your content's gaming, but it's probably like 90% or something like that. Yeah, probably more. You know, and so it's really, really an important nuance for a big CPG company like Coca-Cola because if we're interested in reach and scale, the social media part really helps to amplify that. And then in terms of um, the demographic that we're interested in in reaching and impressing with our marketing and communication, it's it's typically you know for brand Coca-Cola, we're interested in teens and young adults, and um, it's a noisy world out there. I mean today, uh, this particular 
constituency. I mean, frankly, everybody in the room. Um, you can you can turn on things like ad block if you want. You can select a myriad of entertainment or content choices on limitless um, forms of 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 cable or streaming media or whatever Nobody you want. Cable. And, and then there's context on top of that. And so you really, you know, for us, we really need to be, if we want to be laser precision against that market, we really have to go after a passion that we know that they're really, really keen on. And we have to be really, really responsible to what they're interested in and create some marketing and communication that's value additive for them. And typically that's the way we go around um, or move into the space, and with esports in particular, and, and we got there about uh, three and a half years ago, so we were pretty early on the curve. I mean, not super early, but we were we were there on the earlier side. Um, we've we've deliberately taken a fairly organic approach, or as organic as we can, because we don't want to run in as the 800-pound brand gorilla um, and just show up as a non-endemic and start spraying the world down with our brand message. That's not what we're interested in doing. And, and we've really tried to um, engineer this so that that didn't happen. So the perception that esports and gamers are a bunch of kids that don't have any money, is that, and thus there's nothing to monetize, is that not how the brands look at it, both from the sponsorship perspective and even think about media rights and even team values? Um, is, there, is that at all true? I mean, I think that the average revenue per esports fan right now is sitting at around three, four dollars. Um, and that seems really, really low, but then you look at traditional sports, say like a Lakers fan is spending $40 per fan. And for me, that looks like there's an opportunity to actually monetize the space a lot better because right now a lot of these teams are operating as, as small businesses. Right. And as they start to think about how can we increase our merch line, how can we increase presence at events and get ticketing sales, um, how can we actually monetize our fan base, the delta between that $3 and $40 is going to close over the next two to five years. Clinton, can you give a 30 second, so we're talking about teams and just about how teams compete in leagues and who owns the leagues, and maybe tie it to the NBA or the NFL or something just to give us a quick Cliff Notes version of what we're actually talking about. Sure, so quick 30 second overview. There's maybe five major esports right now. There's Riot Games, League of Legends, there's Valve's Counter-Strike Go, there's um, Bobby Codex, Activision Blizzard's new Overwatch, and um, there's also Dota, Dota 2. And so three of those five are LA-based, right? That's right. Okay. Um, and I should wear Jonah's shirt that says Los Angeles. <laughs> it's, it's born in LA. I mean, it's this, the center of esports really is LA, as Greg said. And I think those publishers really own the leagues themselves. They, they control, I think, the regulations and they control to some extent the teams around it to varying degrees. So right now, Riot Games controls a lot of it, but they've expressed an interest in essentially selling franchises. And so how much is, are those franchises worth? So it's a good question right now. Um, right now... What's the most expensive one that's traded? So let, let's just say this. is. We've had the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat just recently say that they're buying esports teams or majority controlling esports teams and franchises. And rumor has it that that could have been in the 25 to $30 million range. 
at, at a post money valuation or pre money valuation, somewhere around there. And there's in League of Legends, there's 12 teams. There's 10 teams. 10 in teams in North America right now. So the franchise value could be 300 million dollars if he did that for the entire league. Got it. Okay. And Possibly. Stephen, would you? Wait, wait to clarify though, that's for. A, a brand with multiple teams. Okay, not in a single. So league. oftentimes teams are more t multiple teams in different esports. So there's right? an Immortals team across multiple different games. That's right. So Immortals, for instance, the team I founded with Noah Winston. Noah's the CEO, and he should be really the one up here right He's now. He's too young. We can't He's, have him up here. He was he was 20 year old 20 years old when he became the CEO, and uh, we pulled him out of Northwestern, and I had to talk to his parents and say. Hey, this is a really interesting thing for Noah to do. You should take some time off and do it. Um, I felt bad about that. So Noah and I founded Immortals, and it was the idea that we were going to have a League of Legends team, but then also have a brand that pulled together a number of esports teams into a into a franchise, okay. Okay. and into a, and and that's what we've done over the last few years. And Stephen, would you rather own an esports team or a baseball team? I think I'd much rather on an esports team, personally. Why? why what's... Uh, the average age of a viewer being like under 50 would, would help slightly for me. What's baseball, 54, Coke guy? Something like that? Uh, yeah, I, just, I think it's really attractive as kids. Like, it's a generational thing. I mean, a lot of you in the audience won't watch games, but kids are. Um, and then as I go have kids, my kids aren't necessarily going to want to go outside and play sports. Right. Um, they're playing more video games. Um, and as, as they do that, they're going to start watching games. There's over two billion people playing video games right now across the world. And even though the esports audience at present is 200 million people, um, as the industry matures, a lot of that, those two billion people that are interested in games right now are going to start watching more and more esports content over the next right. I have saying that the smaller the ball, the worse off the sport. So you think golf, tennis, baseball compared to NBA, football. Um, I guess esports doesn't even have a ball, so it, that's where it's much better. Um, Colin, thinking about hype, and you've seen it, you've been around it for eight plus years now, Where's the, what's being overblown about esports? What are the things that we should be worried about as investors where there's more hype than substance uh, as we look forward? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I would say that feeling like you're going to miss a boat if you don't invest today or next year, um, or that you invested last year. Um, uh, I don't think those concerns are going to prove out. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be plenty of stuff that crops up as these teams, leagues, um, you know, and, and all the other constituencies to the ecosystem start getting more professionalized. And there's going to be opportunities for people to play in different ways. I think right now the consensus is um, companies that have sort of cropped up around the space have just been seen as features or you know, small, narrowly focused products. Um, and I agree with that to some, you know, to, to some degree, but um, there is going to be developments and, um, you know, things that we're doing, I know, to help players in the ecosystem is going to unlock a lot more value. So um, I don't think the system is closed off and going to get so consolidated that there's not room for more uh, investment. I, I just go back to what I said uh, previously that if, you know, it's going to be a slower role than a lot of people realize. It got a lot of hype um, for a lot of good press reasons. Um, but there's going to be, you know, j just like the traditional sports market is very robust today from merchandising, um, ticketing, you know, F&B, everything around the sponsorships marketplace. 
Um, in a lot of ways, that'll happen with esports as well. It's just going to take a bit more time, and so I think there will be a lot of great investments. Um, a lot of people think you know it, it might be dead because there haven't been that many since. Um, then I just think that that's overhyped. And Matt, does that concern you, or does that excite you about opportunity around? I, for us, it's exciting. I mean, it, it's really a, a green pasture space for us. I mean, we can come in and, and we can um, be um, targeted about the way we invest. And, and because it's historically, anyway, over the last several years, it's been fairly quiet in terms of non-endemic brands coming in. And it, it affords us the opportunity to be much, much louder and punch far above our investment weight, which is really great. Um, but Colin's right. I mean, it's 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 early. I mean, it gets a lot of publicity. It's gotten a lot of hype in, in mainstream press over the last couple of years, but it's still really early. It's it's a very very it's a very very sort of um, it, I wouldn't say it's incubating, but it is definitely no you know monetizing in the space, um, understanding how to track viewership, um, even working with the publishers. It's all fairly new. And, um, and I think um, over the next few years, things are going to gel. I think you all out here looking at us probably going, um, what the heck are they doing up there? What's eSports? But I mean, I think there will be investment opportunities, not just in the actual teams, but the cottage industry around it. Um, because I do think it's going to grow. I, re I agree with Steven. I think, you know, eSports will grow and grow and these, these teams and all of the training around it, the after program when you're 22 and you retire, what's next? You know, there needs to be an industry around that for folks that wash out of that business and do they go on screen and do they start to announce esports and what about the business around all of that and the, so on and so forth. So it's early, um, but I'm happy that the Coca-Cola company is involved in it. Remember, we have more than one beverage and product too. So there's other ways we can look at interfacing with this space beyond just brand Coca-Cola, and, um, and we take it real seriously. Um, and, and again, that social media piece is critical, and the fact that this work, um, or the, that, the, that, the, uh, that the content is global, happens to be really attractive to us too, because we're a global company. Yeah, Clinton, I wanna um, add to that really quick. You know, if you look at our, our viewership, Esports is actually just a small fragment of it. The video game markets as a whole and all the content around that um, is significantly larger than just the professionalized esports um, that we talk when we think esports, but really the video game market um, and all the things associated with it, like you know, content we have on our site is not just people playing video games, it's talking about it, talking about the culture, you know, nerd culture around it. It's, there's all these aspects to esports that you know, are bigger than just thinking that esports in the traditional media sense that it's just like, you know, watching an NFL game. Clinton, to kind of close this up, you're the, I think, one of the foremost investors around gaming and esports. Um, you've been a great resource for our firm, and I know you've, you've been a great partner. When you look, we're at Upfront, we're tracking about 100 companies in and around esports, whether it's the publisher side, whether it's the platform side, the analytics side, the wagering e-commerce, which we haven't talked a lot about sponsorship engagement, all the things about the parallels between professional sports, amateur sports, and esports. When you look at it, and you look out, when you talk to your LPs, or you talk to your partners, and you look out the next thousand days, can you imagine making investments in and around esports? And if so, what categories are most interesting? Yeah, absolutely. I think esports is one of those categories that VCs should be looking at very seriously. And if you're not, do some deep dives into it. Um, 
the, the water's pretty warm and there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of passionate entrepreneurs. So I, I put it in three buckets. One is the distribution side. You can invest in a Twitch um, that distributes and that streams esports. You know, it became a billion dollar company and it's now worth a lot more. A lot more. I mean, I, I would, if I was a Facebook, if I was a, a YouTube, I would pay multiples of what Amazon paid for Twitch right now. I think that's going to go down as one of the best acquisitions maybe in the last decade, um, a YouTube style type acquisition. So besides distribution, you can also invest in an actual game that becomes like a Riot game, going from zero to $10 billion and possibly even a lot more in 10 years is, I think it's a great outcome. That's a great VC style outcome. If you talk to Mitch Lasky at Benchmark, one thing that he'll say is, yeah, I sold Riot Games way too early. And I, I think if you've done that and you've invested in a, in a Riot Games or in a super evil megacorp, in my case, which is a mobile MOBA or a mobile eSport, I think that that's an area that you can, you can really get spectacular returns on if you're lucky and if you find the right team. And then there's this other bucket of content and crazy stuff like teams and, you know, the, the next, um, who, who knows what. But there's all of these interesting, I think, um, areas where you can mine within esports that the people haven't even figured out yet. It's a whole miscellaneous bucket. And that's where teams are. I think that's where content is. That's where passion is. That's where, you know, kind of this nerd culture that starts out as a hobby but becomes something really big, like a Twitch or a Riot Games. Um, and that's what gets me excited about it. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, we could talk another 25 minutes for sure. I really appreciate the four of you coming and hope you guys enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you.